for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you've stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review about your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by giving online at believerschurch.tv. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We're located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Has there ever been a time in your life in which you had several warnings about something that didn't get your attention, but then something happened, and finally you understood the implications of your wrongdoings or your problems. All right, so has there ever been a time in your life in which you had several warnings, you're not paying attention to, oh, it's going to be okay, it's not that big of a deal, everything's going to work out, but then something happened that really got your attention. I'll try to give you an example. After poor eating, and I'm sure I'm the only one in here that's guilty of that, after poor eating, you felt sick, you felt lightheaded, you had a doctor's appointment, The doctor gave you some changes that you needed to make because of your blood pressure, your cholesterol, whatever it might be, and you're like, okay, whatever, I hear you, that sounds good, I'll try that out, but you don't do it, but then a little bit of time down the road, you have a heart attack, and you you live, but then you have that aha moment, that wake-up call, that I should have been paying attention to what I was told. There's certainly the case with me in, in many cases, in many situations in my life. I'll, uh, alcohol would be an example. I took multiple field sobriety tests over the years in several states and never got a DUI somehow. I missed a wedding uh, that I was supposed to be in. I drove my car into a ditch. I let people down constantly, all the time. In fact, I I became very common uh, with this kind of language over time as I lived many years in kind of a foggy haze of saying, I'm sorry. Things will change. I'm sorry I missed that event. I'm sorry I let you down. I'm sorry I said those things whenever I was drunk. If it's any consolation whatsoever, I can't remember. That's never good enough. I'm sorry many times. But it wasn't until I was alone in a hotel looking at the very real possibility of divorce and feeling a depression as someone that struggles with clinical depression, but, it's some, but, but feeling a depression that I don't know that I've ever felt before in my life. And for those of you that struggle with depression, and I'm not just talking about you're upset over an election or as difficult as it is a, a family member passed away, but I'm talking about when it, this, this overwhelming feeling, a sickness, when it feels like everything that's good within you or everything that could, could express compassion or love or whatever it might be, has been taken out of you to where you just exist in a state of numbness, and that's kind of how you live and just do your best with, with reality. It was really horrible, but it was a wake-up call 
for me. And that's when there was a change in my, in my heart and in my life in regards to alcohol. In our story today, we see a wake-up call. In fact, I would call it the wake-up call of all wake-up calls. Now, unfortunately, it is going to be short-lived, but this wake-up call will, ser- will serve as a, re- a warning regarding something that we've talked about consistently throughout this series, and it's this. God will follow through on His promises. God will follow through on His promises. Well, God has no idea what my life looks like right now. God has no idea what these issues are. I shouldn't be going through this stuff if I believe in God. My marriage shouldn't look this way. My job situation shouldn't look this way. These obstacles that keep coming up, it's not supposed to look this way if I believe in Jesus, if I trust in God. God, are you really there? Are you real? I'm asking some real questions right now because I put a lot of faith in you over time. And it doesn't seem that you are there. Listen to me. God will follow through on his promises. Exodus chapter 11 is where we're going to be just for a second. Then we're actually going to go to Exodus chapter 12. Your weekly reading with this series was Exodus 11 and Exodus 12. And I know that 75% of you or more read Exodus 11 and 12 this week, so I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands. All right, but we've been talking about, we just talked about it briefly, the first nine plagues last week, and I said we were going to focus very special attention on this 10th plague, this significant plague, this wake-up call that is going to change everything for the Israelites. So let's look at the first verse in chapter 11, and then we're going to skip over to chapter 12. Exodus chapter 11, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, I'll bring one more disaster. This is after the first nine plagues. I'll bring one more disaster on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he'll let you go from here. In fact, when he lets you go, he'll eagerly chase you on out of here. All right, skipping over to chapter 12, I'll give you a second if you are turning. We're going down to verse 29, and we're going to look at just a few verses there. At midnight, the Lord struck down all of the first offspring in the land of Egypt, from the oldest child of Pharaoh sitting on his throne to the oldest child of the prisoner in jail, and all of the first of the offspring of the animals." What God is trying to say here is that there is no economic difference or description based on the firstborn that are going to be taken. Taken. If you're Egyptian or you fall into Egyptian society, the firstborn will be taken. When Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up that night, you can imagine a terrible cry of agony rang out across Egypt because every house had someone in it who had died. The Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron that night and said, get up. Now now his attention is taken. Get up. Get away from my people, both you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you said. You can even take your flocks and herds as you asked. Just go and bring a blessing on me as well. He understands the consequences. Down to verse 40. 
The length of time that the Israelites had lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that precise day, all the Lord's people in military formation left the land of Egypt. For the Lord, that was the night of intent watching to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For all the Israelites in every generation, this same night is a time of intent watching to honor the Lord. So at this stage, what's going on, and this is to pick up from last week, Pharaoh's heart had been continually hardened, or Pharaoh had been made stubborn. But the tenth plague finally shatters the resistance of Pharaoh. God could have finished off Pharaoh with a number of different knockout punches. Is there a reason why God chose to deliver the final blow by killing the firstborn in Egypt? This is the answer. God's declaration links the status of Israel as God's firstborn children, something significant and important in the kingdom, the pride of God, to the death of the firstborn of Egypt. God is taking the most valuable thing possible. Often in your life, whenever you experience a wake-up call that brings about a necessary change that you must experience, God has to take the most valuable thing possible in order to get your attention. Now, often he starts with smaller things. Often we lose smaller things and we see things happening in our lives, but unfortunately, like Pharaoh, we are not paying attention to the work that God is doing. So there are several things that God will do to establish this resounding point, and this is often in the form of a wake-up call. And as I said, I could talk about alcohol. I could talk about a number of things. When I was younger and, and since I've been older, I am a, I am a product of wake-up calls. And some of you that are in here right now, when you've come close to maybe losing everything that you have, or you're on the verge of making a really, really bad decision that is going to have implications on a lot of people and affect a lot of things, God has dealt with you in this exact same way. You see, whenever Beth and I started dating, I approached our relationship very casual. Beth was very serious about our relationship at first. She's going to give me a hard time about this later, but this is true. All right? Beth had not been in a serious relationship for two and a half, three years. And whenever we started dating, it was something that she took very serious. I had not had, just to be completely honest with you, a lot of really good, healthy, successful relationships. So I really didn't know how to approach it. You know, I've got this girl who's responsible, serious, doesn't have like a lot of the hang-ups that I have, has a, has a young daughter who was four years old at the time that is now a 14-year-old, my 14-year-old stepdaughter. But after a short period of time, I was looking for wedding rings. And I was very serious about this because all I could think about is, don't screw this up. You've screwed almost everything up in your life up to this point, 
okay? You get a pass in your 20s. You're almost 30. Don't screw this up. It was as if there was this gigantic wake-up call. This is it. This is the person for you. This is who you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with. And it was something that was very, very clear to me. So consider as we look at this story, the significance of the final plague. Last week we listed nine plagues, and they weren't taken very serious by Pharaoh. But this last plague is, so there's significance in what happens in this final plague, verses 29 and 31. At midnight, the Lord struck down all of the first of the offspring of the land of Egypt, from the oldest child of Pharaoh sitting on his throne to the oldest child of the prisoner in jail and all of the first offspring of the animals. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron that night and said, Get up, get away. I believe you now. Your, your God has got my attention. I have received my wake-up call. I just wish I would have paid attention sooner so that I could have my boy back, so that that relationship could still be there. Go away from my people, both you and the Israelites. Go. Worship the Lord as you said. So what is the significance here? What is going on here? And within the context of this passage, why is this so important? The Old Testament significance of the firstborn is unparalleled in every possible way that you can imagine. The firstborn males of Israel, of Israel belonged to God and they were the redeemed. We see the significance of this if we look at Old Testament relationships and birthrights or inheritance. If you look at the story of Jacob and Esau, Israel's priests were drawn from the class of the firstborn males, not unlike the Egyptian practice. So to be firstborn was significant in every way that you can imagine. And this is the point. Please hear this. When God serves a wake-up call, He will always do it with something that will get your attention. This is something that is going to be unique to you. And there is a reason that I'm saying this right now. There are some of you that are in here this morning, and you are right in the middle of a wake-up call you are right in the middle of God trying to tell you something very important that you are ignoring. Some of you have not approached this yet at all, but there are little things that you are noticing around you that you, again, are not paying attention to. And if you don't start paying attention to these things, the bottom is going to fall out of your life very, very soon. You see, it's funny because last week we talked about the mystery of God and all the mysteriousness of His character and all of the things that we don't understand. Why did He choose to, to harden Pharaoh's heart? There are so many other ways that God could have went about getting the attention of Moses and Aaron. But as we said last week, He needed to ensure that Moses and Aaron were ready. On the other hand, today, this is one of these blatantly obvious things. There are some of you in this room right now 
people that will listen to this podcast later, people that are watching online, there are things that you are being told to do. There are clear markers in your life right now that you are making the decision to ignore. And this is the way we do this. This is not spirituality. This is human psychology. We can justify our behavior in almost any way possible. We will tell ourselves, well, I do go to church every single Sunday. Well, I do give to the church and to others when I can. I do really try to be a good person. And then then the famous, well, at least I'm not as bad as him. Well, at least I'm not as bad as her. I've not made those kinds of mistakes. So what we do is we feed into this consumer Christianity and we compartmentalize God in our lives the same way that we do our job, our finances, our family, our hobbies, And he is a part of our lives, but not the center of our lives. And today, God is speaking clearly to some of you that this is a mistake every single time. So the question that I have for you, and with this question, and I prayed this this morning, a spirit of conviction and discernment on your heart in this very second What is it that God is trying to show you that you are clearly ignoring? What is it that God is trying to show you today in your life? You see, only one thing matters. And it's not human flourishing and your own happiness as you define it. It's not your retirement plan. It's not how good your kids are or your grandkids are at sports. That really needs to be heard in this area. It's not all these other things. It is a relationship with the Son of God, the redemption of sin through the cross, and your marriage, your finances, your retirement, your home, your job, everything else must flow through that place. What are you ignoring today? For Pharaoh, it was power. For Pharaoh, it was control. Those were his things. Is it time to walk away from that sin, from that thing that you have held on to for a very, very long time? And I pray that God will not let you out of this place today until you've dealt with it. Is it time to really make that sacrifice? To surrender yourself at the foot of the cross? And even though you're a, quote, religious person, which, by the way, our society is increasingly despising every single day, is it time to drop that persona and become an authentic, full follower of Jesus for the first time? Are you doing everything that you can in your life to ignore God and to push God away? Is it time to end that relationship that is destructive in your life? Is it time to stop trying so hard 
and to turn everything over to God. Wake-up calls always, this is also important, always happen, happen in the face of disobedience. So the tragedy that some of you are experiencing right now in your marriage, the tragedy that some of you are experiencing through your job, through your children, through things seemingly be, being taken away from you, are a result of some prior act of disobedience on your part. So the question for you guys is not, what am I failing to listen to now? It's, what was I not listening to that has caused this catastrophe? And has caused these issues and these problems that I am currently going through right now. This mess that is here right now. What is the act of disobedience? What is it that I've not been listening to that has me in this mess? Now, the good news for some of you that are in a good place right now, and by a good place, I'm not even talking about your relationship with God. I'm just saying there's not a lot of chaos in your life. Financially, you feel okay. The kids are behaving well. Marriage seems to be in a pretty good place. Your job seems pretty secure. All those things seem to be okay. I can promise you, if there is an area of your life that you are not paying attention, a wake-up call is right around the corner. And you need to pay attention to what is going on in your life right now. We make the mistake of, of, of taking this victim mentality whenever we look at these things and say, well, God must be horrible. God must be bad if he wants to hurt me. God must be evil if he wants to bring about destruction in my life. The only thing that matters to God is to bring you into what you were created and made to be in the closest possible relationship with him. Because when you talk about human flourishing... When you talk about true happiness, when you talk about true joy, that person sitting beside you, maybe even in this room right now, you may love them very much, but they cannot bring that. Your job cannot bring that. As beautiful and wonderful as your children are, they cannot bring that. You are here to connect fully and completely with the divine to set you up and in to the life that is coming ahead. Everything else is sinking. Everything else is just the smallest of details. Yet we ignore and we ignore and we ignore. I feel that it would be a mistake to minimize what's going on in Egypt on this day. You know, how did our passage say it? Like a horrible cry, you know, th through the middle of the night. So I want you to imagine if you woke up tomorrow morning... Monday. Mondays can already be kind of tough. And the firstborn males, all of the firstborn males in the United States of America were dead. What does that do to a society? Th think about this. In, in the context of real events, think about this. Mental illness goes through the roof. Grief beyond imagination. The economy is completely wiped out. There isn't enough land or time for proper burials. 
The U.S. is all of a sudden vulnerable to foreign attack. Many of us would say it's 2020. You know, just add more to the plate. But what if something like this actually occurred? An election would be the least of our concerns. If God really poured judgment out upon us. Complete chaos and misery like we've never known. So we've looked at the significance of this final plague, but also consider the result of this final plague. What happens? What happens as a result of this plague? Ignoring God, as we've already said, will always be followed with consequences. Understand that. You may feel today like it's okay to sweep some things under the rug. You may feel today like it's okay if you can fill your life with that person, with those events, with those things, those things, that it will be okay. But there are going to be consequences that we have to pay attention to. Verses 41 and 42, at the end of 430 years, on that precise day, all the Lord's people in military formation left the land of Egypt. For the Lord, that was a night, the night of intent watching to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For all Israelites in every generation, this same night is a time of intent watching to honor the Lord. To honor the Lord. So the plan that we've talked about for six weeks is finally set in motion. So this idea in the name of this series, Out of Egypt, it only took us six weeks to get here. But we're here now. The plan is completely set in motion. And the people of God are finally on the move. But consider for just a second, as far as disobedience is concerned on the part of Pharaoh, consider all that had to be lost in order for it to happen this way. And you want to know what's right around the corner for the Israelites? Their very own wake-up call. Complaining, no water, no food, if you've read far enough. Their very own wake-up call. So what I want us to notice, a few things that I want us to see today are some things that we can apply to our lives as a result of Pharaoh's wake-up call. And I want you to hear this with where you are right now, because I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know if a relationship with God means that this is a deeply committed life of spiritual formation in which you are seeking to grow every single day. Or I don't know if church is kind of a casual thing in which you say, I'm, I'm trying. I'm just, you know, I just do my best. I mess up sometimes, but I just do my best. Or if you're in complete opposition and you're just here today because you were invited by a friend and you really fully don't understand what this Jesus movement looks like. I, I, I don't know where you are. But here are three things that I can tell you specifically if you identify yourself as a believer. And the first is this. Ignoring God will always lead every single time to unavoidable pain. Every single time. So when you are paying attention to the little things in your life, or you're considering the large things in your life, if God is speaking to you, but culture is speaking louder, and you are a child of God, you're going to go through unavoidable pain. 
All right, we see it first for Pharaoh. Actually, if we go all the way back to chapter 5, it says this. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord God said. This is the first command to do this. This is many chapters earlier. This is what the Lord God says. Let my people go so that they can go to the festival for me in the desert. This is the three days of worship. But Pharaoh said, Who is this Lord? Who am I supposed to obey by letting, uh, by letting Israel go? I don't know this Lord, and I certainly won't, an act of disobedience, I certainly won't let Israel go. You see, Pharaoh didn't speculate. He didn't think about it. He ignored it. And some of you in here right now are living into a deeply false sense of self because of constant ignoring. Constant ignoring that's going on in your life. This is the second thing that we can see, though. You can learn from the wake-up call of those around you. Now, fortunately, this didn't happen with the Israelites because we see that they are eventually going to need a wake-up call of their own. But if you pay attention... And you see, this is one thing that's really hard for me to understand. I was uh, reading about one of the pastors of, of Passion City Church, the one in New York, and a, and a moral failure on his part this weekend. And I learned sometimes why we can't learn from one another. The signs are always there, and they're almost always the same. And I used to say very often whenever I was younger, I'm not very good at learning from my own mistakes because I make some of the same ones over and over, but I am pretty good at learning from the, from the mistakes of others. You can pay attention to what's going on around you. You can pay attention to a struggling marriage. You can pay attention to people losing a lot of the things that they lose. And instead of stepping to judgment, which is what we often do, if we pay attention to the way that we are living in our own lives and what we are ignoring, some of the signs have been there. The entire time. Some of the things that we needed to see that we didn't pay attention to in that moment have been there the entire time. So if there is something that you struggle with in your life, if there is a difficulty that you have with a particular sin or a particular viewpoint or whatever it might be, you can pay attention to what's going on around you and you can avoid a lot of the pitfalls, the hardships, and the mistakes that people have to go through every day. But if there is one thing that I could tell you that is very, very important today, that the children of Israel had to learn, and I, and I promise, you know, I heard someone tell my uh, wife one time, a medical doctor, we were, we were talking about something, and he said, you know, I just thought about this. He said, the moment that you start breathing, this is, this is pretty dark and fatalistic, but he said, the moment you start breathing, you are dying. We all have an expiration date. And as we've said, everything around us is sinking and fleeting. Please hear this. Disobedience is bad in itself. Ignoring wake-up calls. Ignoring a, should say ignoring a wake-up call is fatal. It is absolutely fatal to your spiritual life. And this is what I mean. And I really, really hope that no one in this room is in this place right now. Sometimes 
we ignore God and we go through periods of disobedience and we start to lose things. But even when we have this gigantic wake-up call, when there's the possibility that we could lose people close to us, when there's a possibility that we could actually make things worse, the wake-up call, the aha moment, pay attention to what's going on around you. We continue to ignore. We either downright dismiss God or we try to compartmentalize God and still continue to make God a small part of our lives. I'll tell you what I believe. And I don't believe this because I'm wise, because I am far from it, but because the Holy Spirit is confirming this in my heart this very second. There are people that are in this room right now and people that are listening right now and you are experiencing unmeasurable pain that other people can't even begin to understand. And what I mean by that is whenever you get up in the morning to go to work, the grief or the depression or the hurt or the fear is so heavy that you feel like you can't pull yourself out of bed. And as you try to push yourself through your day, there is so much difficulty that the only thing you can actually imagine giving you any relief is going to bed that night. And you don't look at life as a gift. You don't look at life as a beautiful thing. You don't look at a relationship with God as something sacred because you are hurting so badly. And whenever you try to talk to other people or explain this hurt to them, the only thing they can do at best is nod and empathize because they just don't understand. There are questions. What brought you to this moment? And the one that really matters. What's going to carry you through this moment? You believe it can't get worse? I promise it can. I promise it can. It can get worse. Because you can make the decision, as Pharaoh did, I am going to quit. I am not going to pay attention to this God. This God is not a source of joy. This God is not a source of happiness. And we just have this desire to hold on to our stuff and to keep our things. Sometimes that's relationships. Sometimes it's hobbies or our toys. Sometimes it's the fear that we want to hold on to for some reason. I have no idea. But the only way that you are going to make it out of this alive is whenever you hear a wake-up call. You want to know what I said? I'll, I'll just, I didn't plan on doing this, but I'll circle back to the, to the days in and the, and the last time that I drank. I thought very, very realistic about the possibility of divorce. And I had to quit drinking for me. I couldn't do it for, for Beth 
or for, or for Callie. But you want to know what kept going through my mind at the time, and my thoughts were very distorted? If my wife leaves me, I never want to cause this kind of pain for somebody else. And I only had one thing to reach out to, and it was God. And I would love to tell you that the, that the eastern sky split, and the sun came out, and the rain went away. But the truth is that the next three months of my life were pure hell. But I kept waking up every day saying, yes, God, yes. Yes, God, yes. I was sleeping on a floor at a friend's house because his wife had left him. Does it get any more depressing than that? God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I've tried my way. I've tried my way. I'm 32 years old. I've depleted all of the resources that I have. And regardless of how my life turns out, it's not going to be in a gutter. Cancer might get me. A car accident might get me. But not this. It's a wake-up moment. It's a moment when you recognize that there is nothing left within you that is good and only goodness comes from God and He always wants what's best for you. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. There are some of you, and, and no doubt, you're, you're living in a place of, of disobedience and sometimes disobedience simply means that you haven't fully surrendered. I believe there are people in here today uh, they're, in a, they're clearly in a horrible place uh, because they're ignoring God. Others of you that are in here right now, you're not in that place, but it's coming. Without full disclosure, obviously, I'd just like to ask you to raise your hands if you're in a place of deep struggle this morning and you know that you need prayer. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you, sir, in the front. Anyone else in here? Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Now, I don't know some of you well enough to know that this is the case. And I'm not a prophet, so I'm not going to make this declaration. But this is what I would like to say to you if this is the case. If there is a wake-up call in your midst right now, in which you are being called to surrender or turn things over, please don't hesitate. Disobedience is bad. Ignoring a wake-up call will certainly lead to spiritual death. I want to challenge you guys those that raised your hand, if you need to put something on a connect card for prayer, if you want me or someone else at this church to reach out to you this week, we would love to do that so that we can pray with you through this, we can walk you through this, and we can help you to avoid some of the greatest mistakes that you could possibly make if you continue in this direction. The beauty in this is that God is good. And as we said earlier, he will keep his promises. Father, we come to you.
today with a posture of surrender, uh, corporately as a body, as a church, knowing, Father, that we don't have the answers, knowing that without you there's, there, there's just nothing that we can do, Father, knowing, God, that so many of us in here have tried on our own and we have miserably fallen on our faces. Help us to trust in you. Help us to pay attention, God. Help us to see the signs on the wall. And Father, may this be the day, even if it's one person, the day that they turn everything over to you regardless of the attacks of the enemy, the confusion and uncertainty with the outcome. May the spirit, uh, power of the Spirit pour into us on this day. In Jesus' name, amen.